Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Today we present part two of our four-part series of programs on the subject of aging as it relates to that gray matter stuffed between our ears. We want our brains to keep functioning clearly and productively even as our bodies show the passage of time. We're using Dr. Jennings' book, The Aging Brain, Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia and Sharpen Your Mind, as the cornerstone of our discussions. Dr. Jennings joins us via Skype. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, you begin part two of your book with a shocker. You say there's an unmistakable link between aging and obesity. Obesity. What? Help us out here. What does body weight have to do with our brains? Yeah. So in order to understand that, you have to understand a process called oxidative stress. Mm. Oxidative stress is the process of oxygen molecules damaging our body's tissues, DNA, proteins, fats, and so forth. Mm -hmm. For the people listening to our show right now, you see oxidation all the time when you see a chain or a piece of metal rusting. Mm -hmm. The rusting is the oxidation. That's why you coat your metal things with like oil or something like that if you don't want them to rust so the oxygen can get to it. If you cut an apple and set the apple out on the counter and come back in an hour, it will have browned. Mm -hmm. That browning is the oxygen damaging the apple pulp there. Mm -hmm. And so what can happen in our bodies is there are oxygen species or molecules that have oxygen capable of attacking or interacting with the body tissues that can damage them. Obese people, the adipose tissues themselves produce what are called reactive oxygen species. These are molecules that have oxygen that can react with other tissues. And the more obese you are, the more of those types of molecules your body is producing. Additionally, the obese tissue or the lipid tissue interferes or undermines our body's antioxidant enzymes. So our bodies produce enzymes to protect us from these reactive oxygen molecules, but the obese person produces more of the reactive molecules and interferes with the body's protective enzymes. So at age 70, an obese person will have 8% less brain volume and their brain will appear 16 years older than a normal weight person at age 70. And an overweight person at age 70 will have 4% less brain volume and their brain will appear eight years older. Now, it's not just obesity, let's be fair, okay? The obese person has a confluence of factors that all contribute to what I just said about the brain volume loss. Generally, obese persons do not exercise as much as a normal weight person, and the exercise is protective, turning on lots of proteins that make the neurons stay strong and build new neurons, and the sedentary person loses those proteins, and thus they have greater atrophy. So there is a confluence of obesity with the reactive oxygen species, as well as the loss of the neurotrophins or the proteins that help the brain stay healthy because they don't exercise well. Additionally, exercise produces antioxidant molecules that help reduce the oxidative stress. The obese person has more sleep problems than the non-obese person, like sleep apnea. And uh, sleep disorders and not sleeping a normal amount of time also increases oxidative stress 
and in fact increases your risk of obesity. So it now starts being a reinforcing loop. And this helps accelerate the aging and increase your risk of dementia. And then the food choices. Obese people often eat unhealthier diets. Food choices that in themselves directly are highly inflammatory and oxidating foods, and that accelerates the decline and injures the brain. So again, obesity is a marker, but there's multiple reasons why. You point out in your book that sugar is one of the culprits of aging. Make that connection for us. What does sugar do to us? So sugar is, is also a very inflammatory. It increases our risk of diabetes, diabetes type 2, and accelerates our cognitive decline. Mm. In fact, some studies show that just eating a high sugar meal for a period of 30 to 60 minutes, you can have uh, some memory and cognitive slowing, feel a little sleepy afterwards yeah. until your body clears that. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. Oh, yes. I have. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so highly processed sugary foods are a risk factor. And one of the things you can do to help protect yourself and reduce that is move towards sweet sources that are less oxidizing. I do want to say high fructose corn syrup mm as a sweetener is 10 times more oxidizing than regular sugar. Wow. And most of the soft drinks people drink have high fructose corn syrup in them. And if you got one with just regular sugar, as far as not calories go, yeah. but the oxidative stress on your body, you could have 10 of the ones with regular sugar for the same oxidative stress price you will pay for one with high fructose corn syrup. I've really gotten rid of essentially everything in my diet that I can identify that has high fructose corn syrup in it. You just really don't want to bring that into your body if you can avoid it. And then I want to mention, well, they say, okay, I, that's fine. I drink diet drinks. Diet sweeteners, most of the sugar-free sweeteners are also oxidizing and show that they increase your risk of dementia. So if you, let's say you had a cup of coffee every day, Charles, mm -hmm. and in your cup of coffee, you put a teaspoon of sugar. That single teaspoon of sugar in your coffee is not significant enough for us to measure any increased risk of dementia. Mm -hmm. However, if you have that cup of coffee and you put in a artificial sweetener, with the exception of stevia, artificial sweeteners, every other one that I've looked at a day, that single artificial sweetener does increase your risk of dementia. So getting rid of artificial sweeteners, high fructose corn syrup, and reducing the total amount of sugar you take in is protective. Dr. Jennings, high fructose corn syrup is on everything. It's in ketchup, for goodness sakes. We use ketchup, but we get the organic ketchup or the 100% natural ketchups ah. now, and they don't have high fructose corn syrup in them. Okay. So most things, if you look on the label and look for it, you can find most of the major brands now have things without, because this information has got out there and consumers are really avoiding the high fructose corn syrup products. Okay. We've talked about being obese or carrying around extra body weight. We've talked about sugar. Now, you have mentioned this a couple times, tobacco and alcohol and illegal substances. How do they make you age? Yeah, so these are just highly oxidative. They damage your mm. body's tissues. They increase reactive oxygen species. They produce them themselves. They interfere with the body's antioxidant enzymes. The illegal substances, high doses, in fact, there's no dose of ethanol that is helpful. Yeah. So alcohol is harmful. 
and tobacco. They're all harmful. I think we need to mention what the data shows on alcohol, though, because there's lots of mixed information out there, particularly regarding red wines. Mm -hmm. And what the data shows is that the tannins, which give the red wine colors, these tannins are antioxidant and protective. And if a woman drinks no more than one glass of wine a day or a man no more than two glasses of wine a day, then the protective effects of the tannins outweigh the harmful effects of the ethanol. Mm -hmm. But once a woman drinks two glasses of wine a day or a man three glasses of wine a day or more, then the toxic effects of the ethanol outweigh the benefits and they actually accelerate the dementia process. The good news is you can get all the benefits of the tannins by drinking non-alcoholic grape juice. Okay. Or, or eating grapes for that matter. Just go buy some grapes and eat them. Yes. Okay. All right. Very sure. good. Sure. But I wanted to clarify that because I get that question a lot from people. This oxidative stress, what percentage of Americans, let's just deal with our own country here uh, where we're doing this broadcast, what percentage of Americans do you believe are having oxidative stress introduced into their bodies by their actions, by their choices, by their diets, by their lack of whatever? What percentage are we talking about? To some level or degree, 100%. Really? We all are introducing really? some level of oxidative stress oh. into our body. Okay. but. I mean, essentially 100%. Yes. But some do it much more than others. Okay. And so other things that introduce oxidative stress, fast food, junk food, these types of foods significantly introduce oxidative stress. Fried foods, anything that's deep fried, seared foods, uh, cooking on a grill, the searing and the high temperatures actually cause the uh, cooking method to produce something called advanced glycation end products. Mm -hmm. These are products where a glucose molecule binds to some other molecule and the two molecules together now can't do their original function and they become damaging to our body's tissues. If you have any diabetics listening and they get their and their doctor periodically checks something called hemoglobin A1C. Hemoglobin A1C is a molecule of hemoglobin bound to a glucose molecule. Mm. And the glucose can't be used for energy. The hemoglobin, which is normally red blood cells and carries oxygen, can't do that. This molecule simply damages tissues. It's highly oxidizing. And so we can get those types of molecules into our diet by eating fried foods and seared foods. And whatever dose of that you eat, you will absorb about 30% of that into your body. And so eating a, a diet that uh, you cook with lower temperatures like crock pots or boiling and so forth reduces the formation of the advanced glycation end products. And that has an antioxidant effect on us and protects us. Dr. Jennings, a lot of people feel that there are things that they can do that will help their bodies and their minds stay clear and sharp. And, and I know fasting is one of those things that people talk about. Is fasting a good thing for our bodies and our minds? Yes, actually, multiple studies show that people who fast regularly, uh, this has a significant reduction in oxidative stress. Mm -hmm. It improves body metabolism, improves cognition, slows the aging process, and people actually live years longer if they fast regularly. Huh. Mitochondria are little organelles inside our cells that produce energy, and people who fast allow the body to clean out the waste products from these energy-producing factories inside the cells. People who don't fast Fast, don't clear these little waste products as efficiently, and these things can increase oxidative stress and accelerate the aging process. 
And so one method of fasting is restricting your caloric intake, meaning eating calories, to a six-hour window every day. Hmm. And I started doing this about, I guess, a couple of years ago now. And I, I eat my first meal of the day at noon, mm-hmm. and I eat my last meal of the day at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And I don't eat again until noon the next day. And the reason I do it that way is because I don't sleep well if I'm hungry. Yeah. And so I have an evening meal by 6 when I don't go to bed hungry. Mm-hmm. I can go to work in the morning and I can see my patients and and that doesn't bother me because I'm really focused on what I'm doing if I'm a little hungry. Also, drinking, if you do drink a morning coffee or a morning tea, you can drink those without anything added, black coffee and tea without sweetener, Mm -hmm. and you have not broken your fast. So it's really about caloric intake, not just liquid intake. So you have your two meals within six hours of each other, you're saying? Yep. And I pretty much eat, you know, whatever I want. You just eat the moderate amount of it. But I don't really restrict myself from never eating anything that would be not necessarily the healthiest for me. I will have potato chips from time to time. Okay. I don't restrict that off my diet. I'll have a piece of cake from time to time. Those are the the little uh, relish things of life that you add to your diet. (laughs) It is not the core of my diet. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. Well, that is excellent. That that has a built-in fat. Then you have a built-in fast every day. That's right. And okay. if people do that, the data is very clear. This is uh, hugely protective uh, both to the brain and to the aging process. And people who do this have uh, results in, as they age, less disability, better cognition, and they actually live years longer. All right. We're talking about the aging brain, proven steps to prevent dementia and sharpen your mind. This is the name of the book we're discussing here on this program. And we have two more programs to come. So I invite you to tune in next time for part three of this series with Dr. Jennings. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. Dr. Jennings' book, The Aging Brain, is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and any bookstore. Check it out. Also, check out CommonReason.com. You will have a good time visiting there and seeing what's available to you to help you live a healthy, happy life and to live a long life, too. That's important as well, a long life and a well life. CommonReason.com. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>